0: We serve a living God. I went to the tomb, and I didn't find him in there when I was in Israel. It was really weird. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. I already sort of preached in worship, so I'll just make a few comments. Unless you think I'm getting off cheap and I can preach a really long time, it's your choice, really. (sighs) Thank you, all of you. You get extra credit in heaven. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I've been doing a lot, a lot, a lot of reflecting and thinking this week which is dangerous. Turn to someone next to you and say, that doesn't always end well for you, buddy. And if you are new with us, um, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just wanna welcome you. We're really glad you're here. If you're not new, really glad you're here too. We always say thank you to the new people, I realize. And some of you are like, what about us? There's your shout out. Love you. (laughs) Glad you're here. From the newest to the oldest and all in between. Amen. Been reflecting a lot. A lot, a lot. Praying and reading and thinking. And and, um, I could be wrong, but my spiritual father always used to say, when you think you're right, you can say, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. (laughs) Pastor Ron always used to say that. I think the table is being set before us in America for the most glorious demonstration of the church that takes its cues from the, the ways of Jesus like never before in our history. A few of you agree, but I'm telling you, the table is set before us to rediscover the ancient path, the, the way of Jesus, where we will begin to pour equal energy. And to striving to get people to know what we believe cognitively, we'll begin to pour that amount of energy to embodying the faith with which we so eloquently fight for. How many know that's a good thing? When our desire to live it even supersedes our desire to fight for it or speak about it. And I just believe we are in an unprecedented day together to discover again what it means not to be fellow consumers or fellow pew-sitters, but family. I'm reading a really interesting book in tandem with the scriptures um, called The Patient Ferment. Has there, does everyone know what I mean by ferment? Fermenting, right? Wine, grape juice turning or whatever, turning into wine. And how many know that that is an it's an invisible process, but it's an unmistakable process? I remember one time in our tradition, we take the communion cup with grape juice, and that's fine, but I was with non-Nazarene, uh, true blue Nazareners once in Nashville with a bunch of singer-songwriters from all over the world, and there was a shared cup, which was cool in my opinion. Those of you who grew up Catholic, you're like, that's ah, not that cool every week, but I thought it was cool because I never... Something about a shared cup. And then we all broke the same loaf. And I think it was a little more, I like it better personally. But I realized when I, when I took a drink of it, it wasn't grape juice. The burn. So that's ferment. That was a long appendage to the point of what I'm saying. The book is called The Patient Ferment*. Of the early church and the improbable rise of Christianity in the Roman world. And I'm 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 well I'm I'm well into three-quarters of the way done. I tried to finish it. And all the book does is look at early historical accounts of church fathers, church leaders. I mean, it just it rigorously looks at everything we can find for 300 years when the church went from 120 to something 25 million. Before, it was the state-sanctioned state religion. And in what I'm finding, I could just save you many hours reading the book, is for 300-plus years, the emphasis was on a faith that is practiced, not a faith that can just be articulated with words. And I want you to know, what I'm reading and what I read in the Gospels is so much more compelling to me, and I hope that's becoming more compelling to you than just a faith we can argue about or articulate or fit in a box, but a faith that is practice. So I'll be talking about that over the next couple weeks. I want to just zero in on a few passages this morning. The favorite scriptures of the early church, again, this is um, taken from historical documents and accounts and sermon excerpts and everything we can find for 300 plus years. Their favorite passages were the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone know where that is? Write it down, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the passages in the book of Isaiah that talk about... Weapons being built into plowshares. Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 65 and 6. They talked about a lot of teachings and for 300 years. But the passages they zeroed in on were the Sermon on the Mount, the embodiment of the kingdom manifesto that Jesus presented. And this vision that captivated Isaiah when the weapons of warfare were beat into and remolded into tools that cultivate life instead of take life. These were the passages that fermented their peculiarity, their life together. And so what I want us to do over the next several weeks is zero in on the Sermon on the Mount. Is that okay? Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, it is no longer good for anything except to be trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When Jesus scales the mountain, I was there, the Mount of Beatitudes is pretty cool. Quoting that on the mountain, it was neat. (laughs) He was doing something very deliberate passage that was just quoted is not a description of things that you and I are meant to strive to attain so that we can go to heaven someday. Let me say that again. The brief passage I just shared are not describing characteristics where to strive to attain so that we can go to heaven someday. They are characteristics Peculiar characteristics that God wants to develop and has called out people through which heaven comes to earth. Everyone, and it's in every news cycle, it's everywhere, has an idea and a vision for how the kingdom comes. Do you know what I mean when I quote kingdom? Everyone has a vision of the kingdom, not just the kingdom of God, their own kingdom. Just nod your head at me. The kingdom that I find myself on top and you at the bottom, where I am safe and comfortable and secure, have my needs met, no matter the cost to another, that kingdom, how many know everyone is building some sort of kingdom that resembles that? at a national and international level and at a personal level, your very neighbor, your own heart, your own self. But what Jesus does here is he says, despite popular opinion, that kingdom comes through power and coercion and self-centeredness and violence and hatred and prejudice and racism and oppression and through the sword, despite how every other kingdom works, if you follow me, my kingdom, remember those passages are not describing how you get out of here and go somewhere someday, but how the somewhere someday which we are headed can begin to work its way into the present, to the now, Or he wouldn't have taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth. He wouldn't have told us that if it wasn't his intention. And his ministry would mean nothing if not to be a prototype of the lifestyle we are meant to live as his Mateos, learners, his disciples, his followers. When Jesus emerges from baptism and he makes it through the wilderness testings and he preaches, repent, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Matthew four seventeen is breaking in. And then he called a few ragtag fishermen to follow him, and then he stands up after healing and preaching, and everyone from all over the regions are coming to him because no one's like him. And he starts this amazing treatise, this manifesto of the kingdom lifestyle. He is not presenting to us a teaching that we're meant to, um, to try to attain, again, I'm just saying this because it's the main point of today and it's the beginning of our series on this idea of the kingdom. He's painting for us a picture of the way in which not only did his kingdom come in and through his life and ministry, but the way his kingdom continues to come today through his church. You and I will be bombarded with every breath that we breathe to try to choose another way but the Jesus way, to bring the kingdom. We talked about it last week. Remember we preached about peace and anytime we reach outside and we don't allow the the patience and the mustard seed to grow and if we don't persevere and retain, Matthew 13, the word, and through perseverance and retention and persevering in and further and through, we will not see the crop of which the Lord will be glorified in our day. We can't abandon the way of Jesus. This is why he says if salt loses its peculiarity or its saltiness, what's it good for? Did you hear me? So those of us who claim and and desire to be Christ followers, if if we claim to follow Christ, but in a manner that does not reflect the way of Christ, we're that saltless, salty, trample foot stuff. So how does the kingdom come? It's the question everyone, even non-religious, they're asking, they're longing, when, when do the wrong things get made right? And Jesus says, for those who have responded to my call, of Matthew 4, 17, to repent and to, to categorically say, I am not king, you are king, and to receive his reign and his rule, Jesus says it looks like this. I was listening to a message yesterday and um, this teacher, preacher, author, genius, was painting a caricature, a picture, because many of us, when we see the suffering in our world, and there's suffering everywhere, amen, we see it. We think, send in the tanks or the airstrikes, don't we? We are, Do something dramatic. And the Lord says, oh, to the war zones and to the places of genocide and great suffering, I send in the poor. I send in the mourners because when those who mourn, I answer. In other words, Jesus' vision for those places that need the kingdom the most is not top-down power structures. It's those people that bear the characteristics of the poor in spirit. Why? Because the poor in spirit, that, that posture of a lifestyle is a lifestyle that says, we have nothing apart from you, but with you we have all things. Another way to say it is the poor in spirit are the humble, the contrite. Isaiah 66 says in verse 1 and 2, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, I've made everything. What are you going to build me that can contain me, answer, nothing. But here's what he says, but these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite and tremble at my word. Another way to put it, the poor in spirit. In those places, in our city, in, in your family, in your world, Lord, bring the kingdom, and we thank Ariel Strikes and say, no, I'm gonna send the poor in spirit because I'm... I'm I'm drawn to the poor. That's why his whole ministry was around the poor. Just read the Gospels. Jesus, but let the kingdom come. Bring those who are put together. No, bring those who are really good at mourning because the mourning get the earth. That's their inheritance. I I respond to those who cry out to me. Remember Exodus 3. He heard the cries of his people, and what did he do? He raised up a deliverer. Jesus, let the kingdom come. Bring the powerful and the boisterous. No, I'm going to send the meek because the meek inherit the earth. Those who know where their power is and they submit it gladly to my kingdom and my way. And those through whom are meek, the kingdom of God comes. Jesus, send in those who know how to judge rightly. Those who can judge and put the wrongdoers to right and the rightdoers bigger right. Or I'm gonna send in the merciful because mercy triumphs over judgment. And those who walk in mercy can release mercy, which is what everyone needs. This is the kingdom vision. The the Beatitudes are not characteristics I hope I can grow in so I can get out of here someday. They're characteristics of the kind of people through which the kingdom of God comes, of which Jesus himself fully modeled. How many know Jesus, when he walked the earth, he said, I don't have a place to lay my head? He was poor. Matthew chapter 8. How many know that Jesus mourned? That everything he wept over—Lazarus, Jerusalem, and Israel—Jesus was a mourner. He was despised. He was a man familiar with sorrows and grief. You see how Jesus embodied mourning. Jesus was meek. He was humble. Right? Come, take my yoke upon you. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through thirty. I am gentle and lowly and humble. Learn from me. Jesus was merciful. And everyone said, amen. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. But instead of zapping them off the mouth, he's hanging from the cross, pronouncing the forgiveness of a father for those who killed him. And to which he came to say, Jesus hungered and thirsted for righteousness. This was not just this... This place of standing uncondemned before God to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst for all that which is wrong and out of whack and out of alignment with the reign and the rule of God. He hungered to see everything brought back into alignment with his father. Jesus was pure in heart. Oh, my goodness. He can say in John 8, 28 through 30, everything I see the father do, I do. And everything I hear the father say, I say. So the Beatitudes are not just things we want to grow in to get out of here. They're things that we must possess so that his kingdom can come. Because how many know the kingdom, the world is desperate to see the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And it's not by sending in the tanks or the powerful or the boisterous or those who know. It's the description that he gives us in the Beatitudes. It's just the Bible. It's the word of God. Amen. Do you want to see the kingdom come? Take your cues from me, says the Lord. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who know everything they have is because of him. And those who willingly take what they have and instead of spending a life bent in on themselves seek to be a blesser instead of a constant taker. Second, again, Jesus, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might experience the riches of his grace. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. We talked about that for 40 minutes last week, the blood of Jesus that made peace. Peace. And those who seek to follow in the way of Jesus and who seek to see his kingdom, not any other or their own, come, they will inevitably be misunderstood and taken advantage of just like Jesus. So everyone can just go, okay. But unlike us, when the going gets tough or we get a little bit knocked against us because we're trying to live in a different way than every other way, Jesus says, in my kingdom, if that happens to you, your response, throw a party, rejoice, and be glad. Isn't this jacked up? See, this is why he says, the kingdom is at hand, but you gotta repent. What is repent? Metanoia. It means change your mind about everything. My kingdom does not come like any other kingdom. It comes the way I say it comes because I'm the king on the throne of the kingdom. And so that's why his his, his inaugural message is repent. Change your mind because following me, I'm gonna tweak with your understanding. I'm gonna tweak with your vision, your hearing. Everything about your life is going to be changed for the better and for my glory and for your good if you won't abandon the kingdom way. See, many of us, we, we're cool with that being the kingdom way in, but not so much the kingdom continues to operate. So I repent and I'm thankful for the mercy and the grace, but then we live as if we are the king of our own kingdom. And so we revert to the old ways of getting even and gossiping and bitterness and anger. No one ever does that. I know. But Jesus says there's another way, and it's the way that I want you and I've enabled you to walk on perpetually. It's called the way or Highway of Holiness, Isaiah 35. And you can walk on that puppy, you never have to leave it if you don't abandon the way of Jesus. So what is Christian community about? No, not coming and sitting in pews. It's to be that place where the practice of the way gets embodied in our life together. And where we've got built-in accountability from every angle to say, don't abandon the Jesus way. You're reverting to the old ways. Those ways, they are numerous, as numerous as stars in the sky. Every one of them outside of the way of Jesus will end perpetually in death. But the only way that ends in eternal life is the way of Jesus. That's what he's laying out for us here right here in the Beatitudes. So if people misunderstand you because you don't pick up stones and you don't curse back, we're gonna get there later when we go on in the sermon. But we'll stop there. As we enter into Thanksgiving week, it is very, very appropriate to reflect on all that we have to be thankful for. And may I present to you central to that which you and I have to be thankful for is that we are called to serve a God in Christ who did not just communicate a way to follow that leads to blessing and flourishing, but he fully himself embodied that way. Yeah, and he bids us come, follow me. You want the kingdom to come at your work? You want the kingdom to come in your marriage or your friendship or your relationship? If it's outside of the way of Jesus, you're building another kingdom, not his. How does his kingdom come? The poor in spirit. Those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, God's way, God's will, God's agenda coming, wrong things being made right through righteous means. How many know it even falls short to want wrong things to be made right, but through the wrong means? I'm telling you, we will always have the option to abandon the Jesus way, but Jesus says, don't do it. Isaiah 30 presents this amazing picture that those who try to follow the Jesus way, there's a voice behind them whispering, don't go to the, or to the left. Just keep walking. But Jesus, it needs to come sooner. No, 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 no. Keep walking. It's like mustard seed. But Jesus, mustard seed's small and it takes forever to grow. I know. Don't abandon it because it will grow and mustard seed can break through the hardest of ground and the hardest of soil. Don't abandon the Jesus way. But Jesus, I always want to smash him right now. No, not blessed are the smashers. Blessed are the peacemakers they will be called sons and daughters of God. But Jesus, I want to retaliate. I want to just... They're bugging me. They're making fun of me. They're mocking me. And everyone else is getting ahead of me at work because they're cutting corners. Oh, don't worry. They've They've already received their reward in full, the applause of man. But you keep doing what is righteous and secret, and your Father will reward you openly one day. And he's already rewarding you now, namely intimate fellowship with himself, which really is the greatest. The greatest. That's the greatest thing going. Well, you're preaching good today. These qualities, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they will be filled blessed are the merciful they will be shown mercy blessed are the pure in heart they will see God blessed are the peacemakers they will be called sons of God again this is the main point of the message these are not qualities you and I need to achieve to get to heaven these are the means through which heaven comes to earth in these beatitudes Jesus' disciples learn from whom from him, they learn to become a kind of people, which is why then it goes into salt and light. We have nothing salty or light emanating if that leaven of the kingdom is not what's growing in us. Right. The salt and light make no sense, which is where we're gonna end the message right now. If the thing growing, us, growing in us are not the beatitude, the leaven of the kingdom, the character, the qualities of Jesus himself. Jesus is saying, if you lose the peculiarity of what it means to be those who claim allegiance to me, to be my followers, my disciples, to be my lifelong learners, Matthew 10, 23, and 4. If you lose those distinctives, there is nothing distinctive about you, you just stink. I'm not being mean, this is just the Bible. I'm just sticking to the Bible. But I know for a fact, every one of us wants to make a difference for Jesus. And Jesus says, you want to know the greatest way to make a difference? Allow my way to become your way. The greatest way you can be salty and light-filled is not by going out and blah, 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 but by allowing the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of binding yourself together with Christian community, with those brothers and sisters who can look at you in the eye and say, buddy, you've abandoned the Jesus way, get back on the glory train. The way the kingdom came is the way the kingdom comes forever. And the way the kingdom came is the way of Jesus. The way the kingdom comes is still in the way and likeness of Jesus. It's not the one with the loudest bullhorn or whoever has the most votes or the most power or the most money in the bank. Jesus himself said, blessed are the... Jesus paints the good life. No one else. No one else. Blessed are the... What a blessing to be invited into this lifestyle. You want to be in on what I'm about in the world? Become like me in the world. That's good preaching. It's just the Bible. I'm not making it up. He says, if these qualities become yours, Peter gives us another list, but he's just stealing from Jesus, so you can read it later this week. 2 Corinthians, oh, 2 Peter 1. 3 through 11. Read it this week. He gives us another long list, but I like Jesus. He said him first. And the reality is, beloved, even though the world and technology and everything else says you can have everything you want, need, desire now, these do not happen overnight. Can I get an amen? It's the long journey of Submitting yourself to the tutelage of Jesus and the the word of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus and the community of Jesus so that we can shine like Jesus in the world in that sequence. But we practice it here. We practice it here together. Jesus was super clear. This is my closing comment. Everything in the kingdom was always by invitation. Isn't that cool? Take it or leave it. Did you ever notice that? I love the Gospels. I, I recommend a healthy dosage in your devotional life. Regularly, always, come back, come back, come back. I love all the Bible, but... Jesus was totally okay with crowds walking away. Doesn't that tweak you like it tweaks me? Everything in the script that's handed to me as a young pastor who's supposed to grow a big church and be big and amazing in the religious world, I don't see in Jesus with all due respect. And that's not a cop-out or excuse because I don't have a church of 20,000. I just, it's the Bible truth. Jesus was way more interested in the kind of people who were choosing to follow him than that the masses followed him just because of, even when he fed them bread, did you ever read that in John 6 when he fed them bread and he, guys, don't follow me because you've got food in your belly. If you're going to follow me, the only way to follow me is by drawing your very life from me every breath, every step. And then they went, I just wanted you to feed me. And I don't, I, don't, I don't want a small church. I want to reach thousands, millions, infinity. I want to be, but I'm telling you for God, because I, it's never about the amount of people. It's about the kind of people through which, and this is not just so oh, we feel better about ourselves. I'm telling you, it's the gospel truth. If you lose your saltiness, it's worth nothing. But if you're salty, one little granular can make a dish set on fire with flavor. One little flicker of light in the darkness. I spit when I said flicker. One little flicker changes the whole game. This is the word of the Lord. I'll close with it just so you can get it in your head. and I want you to memorize it with me. That's your assignment. You can do it. I promise you can do it. Chad, but you have a memory. I worked hours. I'm not boasting. I'm just saying people usually tell me, oh, that's your gift. No, I made it my priority. Let's do it. You know what? For 300 years, it was one of their main parts of their training for three-year process. They'd have them memorize. Even the illiterate can memorize by listening enough. Let's do it. Who wants to say yes to that challenge? Not in a condemning way, like you can't bear it, but you can do it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Isn't that something, the earth? Anyway, we've already preached about that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will. And here, what else? They will be those whom demonstrate God. Pure in heart, it goes both ways. I didn't get to preach on that part, but forget it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Oh, I want to preach on that one. I can't. Oh. oh, I want to. Maybe next week. We'll zero in just on that one because it's revolutionary. I'm reading for 300 years they would stop their little house services if there was a brother who had odds with a brother. They actually obeyed the Bible. They would say, we will not take Eucharist. We will not go forward in our services. You over there make it right. Because they knew, okay, forget it. Next week, I'll save all the good stuff to next week. I won't give you the good stuff. Blessed are the peacemakers. How many know peace is available, but it's not inevitable? Okay. It's an invitation. All of these are invitations to participate in the life of the kingdom on the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Skip forward, you are the salt of the earth. Receive this, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, this week when you have family over, even the hard family, come on somebody, even the ones who don't deserve your hospitality. Blessed are the merciful. They put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. I'll close with a parable. Jesus said the kingdom is like a woman we took a little bit of yeast and began to work it through the dough. How many are looking forward to Thanksgiving and especially Christmas cinnamon rolls? Is that a tradition for anyone else? I'll never forget, my mama used to make these twisty, mom, I missed that. She's got to bring them. She's coming out in a couple of weeks. It was a whole project, you know that, where it would take a whole day. And the yeast and the bread rising. She would just take a whole day and make 50 million trays. And they'd be in the, you know, she'd put them in the freezer. And then every morning we could just take them out. But the yeast, the smell of the bread rising. Jesus said, that's the way my kingdom grows. Where the leaven of my teaching and the way my lifestyle begins to get worked into your life. Until eventually it spreads to the whole batch of dough. Who wants the kingdom way to be the way we take as a church? The way of Jesus. (sighs) Can it just come right now, Jesus? Oh, I can break in now, but how many know? Don't abandon the way. If you don't abandon it, it will become true of your life. Oh, I forgot the last verse. Thank you, Jesus. This is the closing verse of Matthew 5. Then they'll see your good deeds. I forgot that verse. The most, like, that's the whole end cap of the whole 16 verses. Then they'll see your good deeds when you become that kind of people. And only then, and they'll praise your Father in heaven. Stand with me. That's a good, pre- that's a good w- Bible word. This quote, and I, I'm, you're getting out of here. It's only 11.35. This is really the quote of the book I've been reading. The author can summarize. He should have just said it, and I could have just not read the book. For 350 years, thus the purpose of the title, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church and the Improbable Rise of the Christianity in the Roman World. The church's growth was the product not of the Christians' persuasive powers, but of their convincing lifestyle. That's church history summarized in one sentence. Their growth was not the product of their persuasive power, but of their irrefutable, compelling lifestyle. The leaven of the kingdom. The leaven of the kingdom. I would be so silly to not give you a chance to come into the kingdom if you're not. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for here. Repent and believe. You'll spend your whole life repenting and believing, but it starts with the repentance and belief. That Jesus is Lord and King and you're not. And trust me, that's the good news of the gospel. Because if you are, the whole world depends upon you. And I don't know about you, I'm just a broken vessel like jar of clay. (sighs) that he's the conquering king. Repent and believe. Jesus, I changed my mind starting today about everything. You are Lord and king, I am not. You alone are worth following, not my own whims, wills, wishes, and desires. I wanna follow you. How do I follow you? You're in the right place. Can you follow him alone? Of course, we gotta figure that one out because a lot of times we're alone, but we follow him together as a family. So Lord, I pray that you'd bring every person in this room to that repentance and faith, to belief in the good news of the gospel of King Jesus, who is Lord of heaven and of earth, who is not just concerned with our eternal destination, but with the reality of our eternal destination becoming the reality of today, the kingdom of God in our midst, where wrong things are made right, Where enemies are made brothers and friends. Where the least of these are given the place of prominence at the table. Where the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the sinner are declared righteous through the pronouncement of his forgiveness and love. (laughs) Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let this become our reality today. And in the days and weeks ahead. In Christ's name, we all said, amen. Touch the shoulder of the person next to you. I'm just getting all sentimental for you germ freaks. (laughs) I know everyone's fighting sicknesses and all that. Lord, heal our body. Touch everyone. Keep everyone healthy. This is more than some cheesy thing. Touch the shoulder of the person next to you. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who is my sister? Jesus, this is the ultimate question. Mark 3 tells us, whoever does the will of God is my mother, my brother, and my sister. So you didn't get to pick the one to your right and your left, but you are being invited to love them. And so look to them and say, you are my brother or my sister. I love you and I'm with you. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, come on up. We've got prayer team. Anything you need, we wanna pray with you and believe. Let the kingdom come, Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven.